Washington. Here's Lamar on a run. Welcome to Crushing the Competition with JWB, where we aim to help you in both crushing your competition and winning championships. We are your hosts, Justin, Tony, and Skyler. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Skyler. Tony, how are you doing? No complaints, man. You know, whole weekend of football wrapped up and we got another week ahead of us. There we go. Well, before we get started, we like to do our little weekly shout out. We let someone know from our past week. Uh, that they've they've bettered our week or made us happy in some way. So Justin's going to take that for this week. Yeah, so just wanted to take the opportunity to publicly thank the wonderful friends and staff that I have here at the Florida Panthers. Uh, in case anyone is unaware, I'm one of the lucky few that gets to work in sports on a day-to-day basis, and it is quite amazing. We've had a few changes recently at the Panthers, and I've had to rely on the staff in a much different way than I have had to before. So a couple guys in particular, you know who you are, Ben Cordicelli, Nick Tomei, Jeremy Barber, Josh Aronson, my senior team. Good football guys, wonderful people. Love everything you do. Thanks. There we go. Love to hear it. Appreciate all of our, our coworkers who help our day-to-day. So, all right. So first, we're going to start. We hate to talk about it, but our little injury bug update. So we're going to start with guys who uh, who are out moving forward. And that's the first name on the list is uh, Jerry Judy. I would like a uh, moment of silence for him, his owners. He's he's in a tough spot. So with his ankle, it's a, it's a high ankle sprain. We're talking six, eight weeks minimum. And we saw in 2019 with Saquon and a little bit with CMC Lash, like they don't always come back as quickly as you would like with that injury and even when they do uh it's a little bit of like getting back to game speed for a couple weeks as well so that's that's one to eye throw them on your ir if you can um out for also out for three at least three weeks we have michael gallup and curtis samuel both of them uh put on your ir if you have a shorter bench or no ir uh i'm okay going ahead and dropping them for whoever you need right now and then uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for your Superflex Leagues. It's looking like he might be out for the season with his hip injury. So maybe uh, go to your wire. You might need to put some desperation money on on Heineke this week. But Ryan Fitzpatrick will not be part of your team going forward. And then last, we have Raheem Mostert, which there's some talking points there. It's confirmed today that he uh, he has his knee injury and he, he he's out for the year. So... We're talking Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, Jermichael Hasty. Um, let's say you, Justin, about Sermon. How are you? How are you looking at him? Is he is he the guy to step in here for you? Or yeah, he's a guy that I'm actually counting on going forward. I've got more than one team where I have already tried to fill the injury bugs that have hit with guys like Edwards and ETN since draft day. Uh, and even being inactive last week, it seems like Sermon's going to fall into the category of guys who are going to get an opportunity to prove himself. So I'm going to roll with it and hope for the best. Yeah. And, you know, uh, for Tony, you know, Elijah Mitchell, if you aren't too confident in Trey Sermon, what are you, what are you doing with Elijah Mitchell? He's probably on your wire and your redraft leagues now. Yeah, um, for me, with how many running back injuries we've seen already, 
you're going to want to use some of your fab. And if you don't use fab, you're going to be wanting to put in a claim in on him because he's the hottest running back ad for this week. And if we look at the past that Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, they use a committee. I mean, whether it's 50, 50, 60, 40, 30, 70, it's going to be a committee in some uh, capacity. So Mitchell's a guy you definitely want to add up, add to your, if you're in a, a league that's using fab, I don't necessarily want to use all of my fab on him. Uh, I'm thinking anywhere from 30% to 40%. Uh, but if you're someone in that range where you have very little depth at running back, maybe go up to your 50% mark because he's going to get points week to week. And if you're, like I said, weak at running back right now, it's going to be worth it for you. So if you're not weak and you just need depth, 30 to 40% is comfortable for me. Yeah. And, you know, last week we talked about making sure that you're appropriately aggressive in early season fab and how later in the year it might not be worth as much. Or you might not be competing with as many people for that lottery ticket. So, again, yeah, I agree with Tony there. If you have a need at running back, maybe go ahead and splash 50 percent of the fab just just to see what goes on in the situation. Uh, you can't win the lottery without a ticket. Uh, as far as Jermichael Hasty for me. Um, I wouldn't waste putting any of your fab on it. The guy only had a few carries. One of them happened to be for a touchdown. Uh, that's with Sermon inactive. So, like, he, he's a guy for me that you only really roster or if you're going to play him, and you're only going to play him if you find out Sunday morning you, you, you need, like, an absolute desperation play at your second running back position. You go to the wire, and Hasey's sitting there, and you're like, I just hope he scores a touchdown. It's the 49ers. You never know who's going to get that goal line handoff. Uh, hopefully this week it's Hasty. But other than that, I'm not I'm not putting any fab on him or thinking I'm, I'm finding something there just because of the week one score. He got in the end zone a couple of times last year. But All right, so moving on, we have kind of our uh, more questionable players or ones to monitor going forward. So first, we have Justin. Tell me a little bit about OBJ because he was in a lot of lineups this week and a lot of zeros. So what are we doing with OBJ? Yeah, kind of a surprise and active there with news that he's not playing coming out after the one o'clock window where many people could make that change or had time to catch it. I think you want to approach with caution this week as well. There's not a lot of word about why he didn't play. We can only expect it's because as optimistic as the Browns have been all offseason that he might not be as ready as we may have hoped he would be. Uh, if he's healthy and he plays, by all means, fire up and use him. This is just a case where at 12.45 before that 1 o'clock kickoff against Houston, which is an attractive matchup for him, make sure he's in. Yeah, uh, I think there's probably a lot of alternative options you can maybe go for this week. And if you're not 100% coughing OBJ, be, be prepared to go elsewhere. And I hope if you drafted him that you drafted him with guys behind him for this exact reason. He's not really a guy you can trust week to week. You're just hoping he gets back in there and shows you shadows of his old self. So moving on, this is one that bothers me it's got me worried because he's one of my favorite players we're gonna talk antonio gibson tony what's what's going on with antonio gibson right now yeah so he banged up his shoulder this week i think justin was saying uh he, he landed on it weirdly or whatever but um i'm not too worried i saw a sleeper notification today that he was full participant in practice um so uh, going forward I, i'm not too too worried about his injury status i think tomorrow if, if espn or whatever your league is has a little questionable tag for him. I think by tomorrow it'll be cleared up. But uh, like he got 20 touches last week. Of course, he's going to be banged up. I think it's just more precaution than anything. Yeah, and he's he's a guy you drafted probably in your second round, third round, maybe if you're aggressive, that first round. Um, 
you can't really afford to probably not play him. He had five targets last week, which is our magic little number for something you love to see from your running back. Um, even if he isn't 100% or he's limited, you're just hoping he gets, you know, around that four or five targets, especially with, um, you know, with Heineke coming in. You don't know exactly what the offense is. They might need to lean on him a little more. The only reason you need to monitor the injuries is a quick turnaround. It's the Thursday night game. So currently this is Tuesday. You're going to hear it on Wednesday. So just pay attention to that before the Thursday game. Uh, moving next, Justin Zach Ertz. If he's in at your tight end, dealing with a little bit of a hamstring, what, what what's going on there? I mean, it seems to be okay to me. You know, not a very productive week one, and what's probably what the best offensive matchup the Eagles will have all year. If there's any hint that he's not 100%, I doubt that I risk it. Um, my guess would be most people with Zach Ertz have another comparable option. You know, it depends on who that guy is. But if you're sitting on a Gerald Everett, that you got along with Zach Ertz because you took two tight ends and there's a hint of injury. Don't bother risking it with Ertz. If he's your only tight end and he's going to roll, you know, do what you must, but not a huge desire to play him. Probably not playing Zach Ertz. Unless it's tight end premium, two tight end leagues, maybe you really don't have another choice. But you're, yeah, I, I agree with you there 100%. Uh, back to you. We talked last week. We said, hey, week one, tough Denver defense for Saquon Barkley and the, and the Jersey Giants over there. Um we said he might start slow. It seems this is the case. Are you doubling down or are you worried about him coming back from the knee, Tony? Um, I'm I'm gonna double down here. Um in terms of I think he's fine. Um they face Washington's defense, which is again not another easy defense to face, and on a short week. Uh he was limited in practice today, but I think that's kind of the the normal procedure for a Sunday to Thursday turnaround. Uh, I, I want to compare him to kind of Cortland Sutton, where we saw Cortland Sutton's first action in the preseason. We were like, oh, he looks good. He's beginning to trust his body, trust his knees. I think Saquon was the same thing. We didn't see him in preseason. So this first week, we kind of saw that he was see he we saw that he was getting that confidence back in his body and in his knee. And I think that week one reassurance is going to help him going into week two. So I'm not, I'm not panicking on Saquon he still might have a tough week but in terms of health I think he's fine yeah um this the early season scripts for him is difficult <laughs> to begin yeah. with which maybe for fantasy it's a good thing because you're combining the slow start we all kind of expected with the tough matchups so yeah yeah we're we're as a team we're doubling down that by midseason we don't expect any worries from Saquon uh Brandon Ayuk this week Justin was like a, a big surprise because anyone who drafted him played him whether it's their second wide receiver or their flex and man was he disappointing N nothing no nothing looked at him no targets no catches w w maybe rumblings of a little bit of a hamstring or some maturity what the heck's going on with with uh brand Ayuk and how are you addressing it in your leagues justin yeah so it's a very fair question and unfortunately when you listen to this podcast this is going to have to be a hit the google and see what the latest word is it, if he had a few targets that he didn't catch, then maybe we'd feel a little bit better. But it's what you said, Skylar, that it's a lack of everything that's alarming here. There's questions of if there's something he did at the end of camp, something personality related, perhaps, that caused this. Or if it's a hamstring injury that the 49ers didn't want to really let on about. It could be both. It could be anywhere in between. We don't know. So monitor throughout the week. But I don't necessarily know that I'm scared of the Eagles defense. So Maybe I'm taking another shot on him this week. It's just one of those things where you need to see the latest word. Yeah. Uh, personally, I'm not 
play him at all. I'm kind of hoping he gets an injury designation. You could put him in your IR. I don't own any Brandon Ayuk in redraft. But this team, if anything, this just reiterates that, like, we don't know what Shanahan wants to do from week to week or, like, what exactly is, you know, you don't take his word as gospel because Sermon, healthy scratch, last minute. Like, Ayuk played, literally not involved. Like, you know, we hear one thing, it kind of goes the other. You know, we had thought... Wayne Gallman would have maybe was going to be part of cut. Like there's just so many things from them this off season that have like, I didn't see it coming. So just take, take with that what you will, that maybe it's a team that likes to move it around week to weekend. We don't always know what's going on. Uh, Shanahan even know what he wants to do. I think he <laughs> does. I, I think he oh. does where unlike like a Matt Nagy, I think she, I have faith in Shanahan's plan. He's been successful enough to, to get that from me. But, but if we're, if we're going to move on, um, Tony, another healthy scratch, Zach Moss. What, what? what's going on? Uh, yeah. So I was reading something from the bills wire. I mean, it's just a blog, basically a website for the bills information and, even all of them were just so shell-shocked of why he was a healthy scratch. And so I, I was kind of digging around, like th- looking into Zach Moss, and I go to ESPN's depth chart for the Bills. They even have Zach Moss behind Matt Breida on the depth chart. And I'm like, I don't understand. I, Breida had four carries for four yards in that game against the Steelers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm super confused, and I thought Moss was kind of in line to like be the main back this year, but maybe – you know, he's showed some signs in preseason that he's just not ready. I, I'm kind of confused. I'm certainly not playing him if he is starting this week because Miami does have a decent defense. Uh, maybe keep him as a bench stash and see what happens this week or next. But for now, I'm, I am just going to be honest. I'm confused. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I looked into a little bit as well, and some sources close to their nation tell me maybe, maybe it's kind of always been the plan a little bit since preseason started was that Zach Moss's profile is more of a guy who can handle the load of like 20 carries. Buffalo doesn't run the ball 20 times. So when they need kind of that one guy is a change of pace guy and the other guy is maybe the home run, they kind of viewed Singletary and Brita as a better duo, which is, which again, it surprised me, but it, it kind of makes, it makes some sense. Like, Moss is a guy who's still like if he gets in the game could pop up for like those two yard touchdown catcher run. Like I'm almost at the point where it, with how confusing it is, if you need to move on, like I'm okay cutting Zach Moss, and he's a guy that if you're wrong on, you just got to be okay being wrong on. And later in the season, maybe you can always go and look to pick him back up if he does re-enter the fold. But it's just such a pass-heavy team in general that, like, the running backs, I don't think unless it's clear-cut for any of these really pass-heavy teams are almost worth owning at all. And week to week, it's just matchup dependent. So moving on to another guy who's on another very pass-heavy team who is a healthy scratch, maybe more of an adjustment. He's new to the team. We talked to Wayne Gallman. We're going to bring him back up. What, what what are your thoughts there, Justin? It, I mean, this is by no means an endorsement to play any Falcons running back at this point. Uh, but from an injury standpoint, he's fine. It was just that he got there too late after signing with Atlanta he wasn't ready to immediately hop into game action so they rolled into the week with Mike Davis and Patterson the fact that Patterson had the seven carries that he did and the involvement that he had throughout the game kind of tells you everything you need to know about 
what his role and what Mike Davis's role is going forward. Gallman will now step into this backfield healthy, we assume, next week, ready to play, but no idea what his involvement will actually look like. Yeah, Gallman is... I'd rather stash Gallman than, like, potentially even Moss at this point. Um, they showed a little more signs of wanting mm-hmm. to run the ball in Atlanta than they did last year. I know they still throw the ball a lot, but... Uh, you know, he's, he's one to keep an eye on because I view I still view him, as we mentioned last week, when we talked about the fragility of these kind of like volume dependent, you know, dead zone <laughs> running back. So the guy like Mike Davis is he's a lot like Gallman and where Mike Davis actually costs you something. Gallman is literally free. So like for the same speculation I have on potential volume for a Mike Davis or their roles in this offense, I can get that with Wayne Gallman for free. Put him on the end of your bench or last spot if you can and uh, just Wait and see what he is in week two. Like, I doubt you have to even spend fab on him because if he's still on your wire, people probably forgot about him because he didn't play week one. So it's just just a name to keep an eye on. He did well with opportunity last year. So we we are going to move on now to a little or a little roundtable discussion. We're going to jump into a couple topics here. Uh, first one we're going to talk about is just you know some 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 trade away or trade for targets, and then our must ads. Like if they're on your wire, like pick pick them up so the the first first couple uh names we're gonna toss out i want to hear from uh from tony what guys are must as if they're still sitting on your wire for some reason yeah so like like skyler just said if they if these guys if winston jamal williams or mike williams are all sitting on your waiver wire you need to add them like don't I wouldn't spend billions or whatever, you know, 50% of your fab. But if they're sitting on your waiver wire, you need to get these guys. Winston threw five touchdowns. He's going to add yards to that in in the next few weeks. Obviously, he's not going to stay at 150 yards. Jamal Williams, he, him and DeAndre Swift both scored, what, 25-plus points or 20-plus points? Yep. I mean, I mean, I know the game should have kind of went in favor of that, but if they can both consistently do that, Give me 12, 13, 14 from Jamal Williams every week. I'll take that. Absolutely. And then Mike Williams, Mike Williams and a pass heavy offense with Justin Herbert throwing the ball. You, Mike Williams stays healthy. He's going to be a stud. Like we've all been waiting for this. And right now he just showed us the signs that he's ready to do it. So like I said, Jameis Winston, Jamal Williams, Mike Williams, if these guys are sitting on your waiver wire, go get them. And they're all going probably from the wire to your lineup. Like you're picking these guys up. You're like, well, I went really wide receiver heavy and my running backs group is a little weak or maybe I don't have a lot of confidence after week one and a couple of my backs, they underperformed. Jamal Williams, you got to add him. Like this dude, you know, with the way him and Swift played, like they're, they're the options in this offense, both in the receiving game and the running game. It's same like Hawkinson's the receiver. If we learn something, there is no makeshift wide receiver one on this team. It's Hawkins with this running back and Goff who's going to dump it down or – hit his safety like it's golf throws the ball he's on his whole career so the yeah the, those three detroit guys for sure um so the next little batch you guys were talking about they're not on your waiver wire unless you play with um some idiots and uh they decided to drop one of these guys which it could happen i've seen it people tell me oh i pick one of these guys off the waiver wire and people always like what are you playing an eight-man league or what are you playing with a bunch of idiots well you might be you know a lot of leagues out there so give us a few names of some wide receivers who like if for some reason to hit your wire because of panic from week one uh you need to snag them up justin yeah i think you make a great point 
there's going to be people on different ends of the spectrum of experience. And it's very fair to assume that once your waivers process, you may find that a injured Jerry Judy or an underperforming Cortland Sutton or an underperforming Tyler Board or a both Brandon Ayuk hits your wire this week. Be ready not just to make your wire moves, but to look at who is dropped that you can then subsequently add in the second wave, however your league handles those sort of things. Uh, but it's one of those weeks, man. People do overreact to over one. You're going to see some talent like that out there. You pop open your app. You find that Ayuk sitting on the waiver wire. Make a tough decision. Drop somebody. Get him right away. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And likewise, I'm going to throw out a couple of running back names of guys who like that you check. Like people have to cut someone to pick someone up. You know, and uh, if while people are going out and they're they're picking up Cordell Patterson or um, <laughs> or they're Josh Gordon because reinstated, by the way, woo for the annual ceremony. They're picking up hot <laughs> Carlos Hyde, uh, Sammy Watkins, Deontay Harris, like Nelson Aguilar, Zach Pascal, Tim Patrick, Sterling Shepard, like guys that's like, OK, maybe at the very end of your bench slightly deeper of a league sure pick them up but if people are picking them up they got to drop someone and if somebody in your league looks and sees negative points or zero points or three points from one of these backs uh they could be on your wire don't be surprised and you should pick them up because they could have an impact down the stretch like guys like acres did for you in your fantasy playoffs last year those guys would be javonta williams trey sermon ronald jones like if one of these guys hit your wire Pick them up. Like they might not be guys that are sliding right in your lineup, but they're absolutely worth a spot at the end of your bench for the potential they could give you down the line. Um, so next, guys, some studs. A lot of studs underperformed in week one. Like a lot of them, <laughs> you know. So, um, a couple backs, a couple running backs that disappointed Tony. Who who are some of them? Are you maybe trying to see if you can buy them cheap, trade for them? Are you going to panic and trade them away? Yeah, who, who are some of those guys for you? Yeah, so right off the bat, uh, Zeke Elliott. I mean, everyone was watching Thursday night because we were all anticipating football being back. You weren't happy with Ezekiel Elliott's performance if you watch if he's on your team, and I get it. Like, you shouldn't be happy. He had, what five point nine points? Like, yeah, I have him a couple leagues, so I know exactly what number he had. Uh, but like, don't be worried about it. They're on a high powered offense and we're facing one of the better defenses in the league. Like I know I told you he was a smash play. Like he shouldn't have been worried last week, but like the just the game script didn't work in his favor and they went past heavy. So I'm not worried about Zeke. I'm trying to, you know, if, if you got a manager who's got a plethora of running backs and you don't, maybe you try and go for running backs and look at Zeke, try and get him for cheap. Another guy is Najee, Najee Harris. Do not be worried about Najee. He played a hundred percent of the Steelers snaps for the running backs the fantasy points are going to follow. It's another situation where they played the Bills defense. They have a rather decent defense. Don't be worried about Najee. Go try and trade for Najee if you want him. Another guy is Saquon. Same shit. He played a really good defense, and there's going to be a lot of people that are panicking because they're going to think it's injury-related. Go get him. His price is probably a lot cheaper than it was before the draft or if he would have had a good game, obviously. Fourth guy, Aaron Jones. Same thing. The, well, this one's kind of different, actually, because the Packers was just a conundrum of confusion, and I think everybody is still trying to figure out what the heck happened. And I'm going to say right now, Aaron Jones probably has the cheapest price out of all these guys. Maybe Najee, but between Saquon Zeke and Aaron Jones, I think you could get Aaron Jones for cheaper just because the Packers of the three other teams look the worst. So maybe there's 
way less confidence in the Packers and Aaron Jones, whoever owns them in your league. So between Zeke, Najee, Saquon, and Aaron Jones, like I would try and go trade for all four of those guys this week if you wanted them. Yeah, um, very similar guys. A lot of a lot of that's week week in week one. You've got like Mike Evans for the first part. Like if somebody in your league wants to part ways with Mike Evans after week one, um, please do now because they play Atlanta next week and like that every single wide receiver in this team again next week could have a huge week. And one of those touchdowns go from Gronk to Mike Evans and suddenly like no one's worried about Mike Evans. So I would for sure be you know calling up the owner and seeing maybe if you can get him for cheap maybe you can you can partner together guys like marvin jones and brandon cooks and see if you can turn them into mike evans or one of those running backs you mentioned like just see what they have to say like those are guys that probably are on borderline of your lineup anyway and they had great week ones maybe mike williamson or name in there so just see where people are interested and then a little cheaper i'm going to tag these three guys together is um OBJ, Kenny Galladay, Cortland Sutton. Now, they all are like, the owners might be like completely out, like already by week one. Like, nope, I, I regret this. And that's when I'm swooping in with, I not maybe Brandon Cooks. I'll take him out because I have him ranked significantly higher. But maybe like, you know, these guys who, who did have big weeks, one like your Mike Williams or um, maybe Marvin Jones, if he's excess on your roster. See if you can trade the lottery ticket on one of those guys with a higher upside for the season with one of those guys, just go and see if they're interested or maybe flip a couple names of running backs. If they're on your team, I'd flip for any of those wide receivers is like Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, like for me, still Tyson Williams. Uh, I think week one's a good sell window. If you aren't necessarily a believer that his role is going to be as involved as it was in the first half yesterday, um, I personally, to give you insight, just trade away Melvin Gordon and Curtis Samuel for Corey Davis in a league. So, like, that's the kind of trade I'm looking. I think Corey Davis is a guy who's going to be in your lineup every week. Mm -hmm. And Melvin Gordon, I'm still under the impression he's going to lose that role a little bit to uh, Javante Williams later in the year. So I want to sell now if you have him. Um, so, yeah. So the last we're going to bring up. We're going to bring up three names of guys you think you might want to trade for because of a disappointing week one. But maybe you should think twice. Justin doesn't love these three guys. Who are they? Yeah, so as you go through that process of looking who you can pick up, stay away from Mike Davis. We talked about the Atlanta backfield already. Mm -hmm. Stay away from James Robinson. I think a lot of people are going to look at a later pick on James Robinson and underperforming week one and think I can go get that guy for a little bit less. Urban Meyer and Carlos Hyde have some type of love affair that we need to be aware of, and that whole team is a mess. As you're looking for moves to make, that's not one that we can recommend. Uh, and lastly, as much as I hate to say it, Mr. Always Open, Waffle House, Julio Jones, this is not the time to recognize that Julio has a big name and had a bad week one, and maybe you can get him for cheap. Uh, that whole team was a mess against Arizona. I think some of it will, of course, straighten out. But the pieces that do are more likely to be Henry and Brown than they are to be Julio, uh, especially after this apparent friction with Mike Vrabel. The unnecessary roughness penalty that Julio Jones took during that game seemed to kind of shift how the momentum was at that period of time, kind of in a fit of emotion after the game. The quote that Vrabel had to say about Julio and the penalty was that is absolutely nothing that we coach or teach. So that would fall under the category of doing dumb shit that hurt the team right there in bold letters. That's not something you want to hear about a new acquisition on a team. My fear is that Julio is the sort of guy that his 
prior experience and his name are going to make him cost more that you would want to pay, try and go after the guys that Tony and Skyler are naming, not those candidates. So moving on, we're going to talk about quarterbacks for a little bit. So you drafted, you know, a quarterback pretty high in your drafts, and then they didn't score you a lot of points. And there's all these guys on your waiver wire that went undrafted that scored big points. How are you reacting week one? <laughs> all right, is it time to panic? Is it time? Like how how are we going about these? Uh, you know, these big name quarterbacks that maybe underperformed a week one moving forward. Is this something important every year? Do we overreact, underreact? Uh, so we're gonna start. Justin, give me your thoughts on a few of these guys. Names I'm going to throw out to you. Maybe maybe you played Ryan Tannehill. Or even worse, you played Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, even, you know, Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, kind of put under what you expected them. So how are we moving forward on these guys for you? Uh, I'm going to hit the panic button, honestly. Uh, let me give you a little bit of a rundown on what the quarterbacks look like, huh? Jameis Winston finishes third. Jared Goff finishes fourth. Derek Carr Top 10, Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater, all in the top 15, Sam Darnold, depending on the scoring system, and the top 15 in a lot of other leagues as well. I find myself asking after week one, is this a unique year where, as opposed to most seasons, where we see quarterbacks in the teens, 15, 16, 17, potentially challenging for a guy that you would want to use in a one-quarterback league? Is this the year where the quarterbacks that were pre-draft in the late 20s turn out to be just as viable as the guys in the teens just as viable on a week-to-week basis as some of the guys who might have been right in the later part of the top 10 and i think it could be darnold has weapons to work with Carr has proven that he can be a stable safe option that doesn't throw interceptions this could be a breakout season for teddy bridgewater with the weapons that he has in denver and my personal favorite is Jameis winston And it wasn't even that he threw for five touchdowns and looked good in week one, Skylar. The thing that got me were a couple of plays where Jameis Winston looked around and then threw the ball out of bounds and lived to play another day that have me thinking, is this the year? Is this going to be the story of Jameis Winston finishing as, let's just say, a top eight quarterback at the end of the season? I would be more apt to move the guy that I took earlier for running back and wide receiver help that I may desperately need for a team and take one of these guys off the waiver wire, try and see if I can use them or put something together to stream throughout the season. I think we're going to find that there's a lot of guys that we didn't expect that finished the year with solid numbers. Yeah. Tony, how are you kind of handling your quarterback situation moving forward? Um, I mean, if we're talking guys like Tannehill or Rogers, Mayfield, Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, like, some of those guys didn't have the apex of weeks that you would have hoped based on where you drafted them, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to fret over it. Like it's week one. And a lot of these guys face tougher defense as Josh Allen faced the Steelers. You had Lamar Jackson, whether you want to call the Raiders defense good or bad, their D line showed out last night. They had a good, a good night and Lamar's not known to pass the ball. So when you have a good D line, the running quarterback might get shut down more often. Guys like Mayfield and Rodgers, Mayfield played the Chiefs. They have a decent defense. Rodgers, that one, a little confusing, like we talked about. Like, we don't know what happened going on in Green Bay. Tannehill has, I would say, probably the most different situation. There's a new offensive coordinator. He's got a new wide receiver piece. Still has A.J. Brown and um, Derrick Henry. So I'm not, I'm not going to worry about Tannehill. I, I think those guys, if they're your starters, just roll with them whether it's a two-quarterback or one-quarterback league, don't get worried about them yet. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't. I, I agree with you there, Tony, because, like, th- these guys where you drafted them, it's week one. Just put them back in your lineup. Like, Lamar is going to do Lamar. Like, Josh Allen could come back next week and have 30 against Miami. Like, Lamar could come back next week, drop a 30 bomb. Like, my confidence in these guys hasn't fallen because of one game. Like, the Aaron Rodgers, I think there was maybe a little bit of growing. They didn't really have the full team together for most of the offseason from everything that was going on with Green Bay. So... You know, just have a little bit of patience there, and especially in your Superflex leagues. Don't even worry about it. But in one quarterback leagues, like any of these names, like if you can trade one of them, I mean, unless if we're talking the, the top guys, I might not do the same in this list for Lamar or Josh Allen uh, or, you know, guys like Kyle Murray. These guys we know are capable of scoring 30 points. But all the other names we talked about on the higher end there, if you could trade one of them, as, as Justin alluded to, for wide receiver running back, I'm – always going to do i'm always going to trade a quarterback in 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 redraft leagues one quarterback if i can get a guy that's going to slide into my lineup because you can go to the wire and you can play the wire and pick up a guy like a james winston like really could be a top 12 quarterback for this season going forward he could be your guy and he's not on your a lot of rosters if it's a one quarterback league so and you and you know guys like bridgewater daniel jones Carr, sure but i think you kind of sit them in on the matchup or the week um so but guys like that should be available for you in your one quarterback league. So I'm not, I'm not going to overreact. Maybe to the extent Justin is, but I, if I can move on in ways that aren't dropping these players, I'm also open to that because there's no way I'm dropping at this point in the season Aaron Rodgers. Um, can I ask you what that might look like in a world where you'd be comfortable with it? Let's say you've got an injury on your team. You now picked up Jameis Winston off the waiver wire. Aaron Rodgers was the only quarterback that you had. If yeah. somebody is willing to give you Corey Davis and a player, we making that kind of deal? Yeah, I'll take Corey Davis for Aaron Rodgers, straight up. So, 100%. Yeah, you give me a guy like Corey Davis who's going to be, should be in my lineup almost every single week, I'm, I'm going to take it. Like, you know, Brandon Cooks is similar, and that might be a little tougher to swallow, but if I'm really desperate at wide receiver... I might be open to it if I just picked up Jameis Winston. Um, if I can buy low on like a Mike Evans, you know what I'm saying, and move on Aaron Rodgers, hundred percent, I'll do it. Because uh, I have Winston. If I don't end up using Evans, like it was still worth that ticket for me and my uh, evaluation, my process. So there, there's a few names for you, or maybe like Javante Williams, if you want a stash guy. So, so moving on, we're jumping into our our square scare and prayer players of the week. Our square is a guy who. Don't overthink things. Start your studs. You know, square pick. Uh, we have our scare player, which is a guy who's normally you might think of him a little more square, but the matchup this week, it does it is concerning enough. Like he's not a stud enough where he's a set and forget. And then we have our prayer player, which is a guy who might be on your waiver wire or the end of your bench. Who you normally don't play, but like he's got to be in your lineup this week. Um, a little wrinkle we're gonna add now moving forward after our first episode is uh we're all about accountability. Here with the uh, the JWB group, so you know before we go into our into our picks for this week, we're gonna reflect on our players from last week, and we're gonna when we're wrong, we're gonna apologize, and when we're right, we are gonna we're gonna take a victory lap because you know fantasy football is over about all about being like way too dramatic, and um, we're here for that. We 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 love the drama. So uh, last week we'll reflect our square player last week was Ezekiel Elliott, Tony. Yeah, that was a big, big whiff. Um, Zeke was a guy that I was just confident that 
he could go up against any defense and get close to a hundred yard mark. And it did not turn out that way. The Bucks basically shut down their rushing offense and let Dak toss the rock all over them. So I, uh, that was, that was a swing and a miss. So I, uh, I'm going to have to swallow my pride on that one. Well, we, we forgive you. We're, we're going to nail it this week. And our, <laughs> our scare player last week was, um, David Montgomery from Justin. Um, Justin, what do you have to say for yourself? I have nothing to say for myself. I'm fully incompetent and I apologize. I cannot tell you how mortified I was after giving the wonderful stat that all of last season, 27 yards was the largest run against the Rams all year. And the first touch of the game goes for 41 yards. And I immediately know that I'm in trouble. Uh, I will also take a second to add an additional apology to my wonderful wife, Barbara, who lost her first ever fantasy matchup on her husband's advice to sit David Montgomery and play Daryl Henderson instead. She I'm now, taking down multiple people with me. She now understands the uh, the Faye Duchesne's, which is Justin's alter <laughs> ego. So whatever he says, do the opposite. And our uh, player, our player player was uh was Marvin Jones. So our team got one. We got one. So uh, moving on, I'm gonna kick off our uh, our square for this week, and I'm gonna talk about Najee Harris because he's a guy that you drafted probably in your third round, second third round of your drafts, and um. Maybe you're a little worried. Like he came into Buffalo. We talked a lot about it earlier in the show, and it was it was a weird week. But I'm confident to put him in there. I think he should be a square, set and forget for now, unless if new information comes up. I don't think you have any reason to be to overthink things and bench Najee Harris this week. Like you're putting him right back in there. You drafted him, back yourself. You know, have a little bit of a backbone. He's playing the Raiders. They let up a couple of rushing touchdowns this week. This is where Najee's his chance has to be. You know, uh, you hope he gets a couple targets. Um, the O-line wasn't great, but, like, you know, he got all the work, all the snaps, and, like, 50-something yards. I know it didn't. It wasn't a lot of points because he didn't score, but it, it there's much more concerning weeks um, you could have had from Najee Harris. I think Buffalo's defense maybe in the run game was a little – they picked up where they left off at the end of last year. It's a tough team. Vegas shouldn't be. Um, yeah, I'm confident to roll Najee Harris out next week. Not thinking twice. Start him. Uh, any rebuttals? No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. He got 100% of the touches and not one other running back came close to touching the field. I wouldn't be worried either. So let's slot him in. So moving forward, we're going to talk our scare player of the week. Uh, Tony, who are you probably leaving out of your lineup? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm leaning towards this is a homer pick here, but I'm leaning towards leaving Miles Gaskin out of my lineups this oh, wow. week. Um mainly because he didn't have the most amazing week last week and it was the Patriots defense which I don't think is as as decent as the Bills defense and the 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 Dolphins barely squeaked by a victory last week, so and the Bills lost. So the Bills are going to be coming. They're hungry. They, they want to win. So they're going to do anything they can to get that win. And we saw what the Bills did to the Dolphins week 17 last year. Uh, but just to throw out some stats for Gaskin against the Bills last year, the first week, week two, or the first time they met in week two last year, he had 46 yards on seven attempts and six receptions for 36 yards. He finished with 14 fantasy points. Like, that's not that's not a bad week. No, I'll uh, take that. The next matchup was week 17 when Miami was trailing the whole time. 
seven attempts for only 20 yards, but four receptions and 57 yards receiving. And he had one rushing touchdown. So he had about 17 and a half points that week. So you're probably asking me like, well, why wouldn't you play them? Well, it's a whole new, why wouldn't you play them? It's a whole new year. And the Bills, their defense, they, they drafted Gregory Rousseau. They've gotten better on the D line. They, they, I don't know if they extended or they still have their secondary with, is it Tredavious white? Is that his name? Yeah, they have Tredavious white top, top five corn in the NFL. Show some respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like, they got a good defensive core and they haven't gotten a win yet. So I, it's, that worries me with Gaskin. I'm, I'm definitely leaning on the side of, you know, he was a flex player for me, but now I'm probably going to sit him this week going up against the bills. Yeah. Uh, this last week was the first loss for Buffalo with Matt Milano in the lineup since 2019. So it was, it was definitely, definitely was unexpected. Um, that was for regular season, of course. And, uh, you know, Miles Gaskin, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence if, if you have to play him. If you have other options, I totally agree. Like, I'm a little scared. Just Najee. We just talked about what happened with Najee last week and what you got out of Najee. And I think that's like, I could very easily see that happen with Gaskin. But, you know, with with just like last week, when we talked about a scare guy like Montgomery. Like, unless if you had a great alternate option, like, I mean, he could. You, the one thing that could maybe give you a little confidence, his two matches against Buffalo last year, he caught a couple passes. And in week 17, he got a touchdown. So, like, it could it could happen. He could still give you an okay week. I'm not confident yeah. in it. But, like, if you, if you are stuck in a bad spot, there's worse things to stress about. Um, you know, like, even with Montgomery last week, it seemed like every comment we got on our video last week was like, oh, gosh, if I'm not playing Montgomery, who am I going to play uh, between him and, like, Kareem Hunt against Kansas City? And luckily, we told everyone, play Kareem Hunt instead. And Kareem Hunt ended up having an okay day. Like, got you 13 or 14 points, like, which is what we said. We're like, against Kansas City, we expect at least a very playable week from Kareem Hunt. So, like, if you have a guy like that with a good matchup, um, you know, Put him in over Gaskin if you're stuck in a pickle. It's not the it's not the end of the world. Uh, bless you. Yeah, bless you, Justin. We had a sneeze. Uh, so moving on, we have Thanks. we have Got our fast. we have our prayer player of the week. Justin, what what name are you are you gonna pick? Oh, I am running to the computer to play Javante Williams this week. I could not possibly find myself more impressed with a player who turned in less than five points last week than I am with Javante Williams right now for large stretches of that game. He looked like he was the substantially better back on the field. It just happens that all we remember is what that Gordon broke a 70 yard touchdown run in that kind of paints an inaccurate picture. Uh, I want to make sure people are aware of that they're going to go play the Jags this week and they're the worst team in football at any level at this point uh after getting crushed by the texans like let me ask you guys a question right and feel free to disagree tony better athlete javante williams or philip Lindsay? javante skyler better athlete mark ingram or javante williams uh yeah give me javante there <laughs> right like so there's a myriad of factors first of all they split the snaps equally so Javante got almost as much opportunity as Melvin Gordon got. Uh, to be fair, I think Javante's 14 carries was more than what Melvin Gordon got. He just broke the long touchdown run. The Texans rushed the ball a ton of times. I think 37 is the number that That's I wrote down for how many carries that they had. Ridiculous yeah, amount. and I didn't get a chance to look at the whole league, but I did write down that the Texans got 78 plays from the line of scrimmage, and that might be tops for week one. 
So the expectation is why wouldn't the Broncos have the ability to run a ton of plays? We already know that they want to run the ball anyway. I would figure a couple of different things happen here. One is that they blow the Jags out. And if that's the case, they're going to want to, they'll run the ball early and often as that game is out of reach. Gordon's the guy who's likely to take a seat so that Javante can get some more run. If that game is competitive, it's probably because both teams are scoring which means Javante did something that worked out really well. So I'm going to take my chances this week that he's going to see another 15 carries, but as opposed to 45 yards, he's able to get himself to 70, 80 uh, at a touchdown to go along with that. I'm pegging Javante Williams as a guy that you can play as an RB2 or a flex this week to the tune of in between 13 to 16 points, let's say, and I'm pretty happy with that. With that number, you're, you're calling for a touchdown. Are you saying it here? Javante Williams scoring a touchdown next week? Put it on the board, baby. Javante Williams, first career touchdown coming against the Jaguars. Let's there go. There you go. They're on the board. Yeah, I mean, 37 times. Mark Ingram, the corpse, ran 26 times. 26 times against Jacksonville. Like, if you think Melvin Gordon's going to come out and have a big day, which I think he probably is in your lineup for that reason, um, there's no reason that Javante can as well. I don't hate the call. Melvin Gordon probably falls in the same spot as a prayer guy because, like, <laughs> They both, Melvin Gordon maybe went later than Javante in some of your drafts. Um, both, both of them for me, they're they're in they're in the lineup. Um, even David Johnson had a good fantasy day, a name we didn't even mention. He scored a touchdown. Like Philip Lindsay fell into the end zone. Mark Ingram fell into the end zone. Like every back is fun. If they got any more running backs there in Denver, can we, can we put him in the lineup too? So I hope not. I think party I think, all around for Gordon. I think and Williams. I think you're good. starting them both. So I, I love the call. A quick little, a quick little antidote is when we talked about Corey Davis. Like he's a name we th- threw out there for this prayer player, but like at this point, we almost want to put him in the square section. Like we're we're pretty mm-hmm. confident in Zach Wilson as a talent, and Corey Davis is his number one option moving forward. That like even if he's not scoring two touchdowns, this guy could be getting double digit targets every single week. Um, you know, 60 to 100 plus yards every single week. We're fully confident he should be um, a square player. If you look on your Yahoo, your sleeper, they might have next to his name, like it's a bad matchup because New England last year was great in the air. But like Gilmore is not playing, if, if I'm correct, for early in the season. And like he's still that number one option for the Jets. So Corey Davis should be in your lineup going forward uh, until you have a reason. To, to, to venture otherwise yeah so yeah so i think that about wraps it up anyone who stuck through and listened to us we appreciate you so much um if you're on youtube please like subscribe the subscribe when we get to 100 we can customize this url so that the jwb links don't look so freaking janky we appreciate all of you for helping us get towards that goal we're getting close the videos are doing great we appreciate you so much you can find us on spotify if you're driving your car put it on 1.5x or something you know we're trying to keep these as short as we can jam pack as much as we can in so we appreciate all of you there so thank you and um we'll see you guys next week you can find all of our stuff on twitter at jwb underscore ff see you guys <laughs>